0: The mic is hot and the game is on. You're listening to News for the Nation podcast by ACES Nation, where we talk about nutrition, sports performance, the
1: journey of a student athlete, and more. I'm Claire.
0: I'm Zach. Time Time to to level level up. Welcome back, sports fans. This is another edition of News for the Nation podcast by ACES Nation. Uh, Again, we're here with Claire, registered dietitian, sports nutrition specialist for ACES Nation, and Zach Wallace, athletic performance specialist for ACES Nation, certified strength and conditioning specialist through the NSCA. So today we are going to talk about our views and perspective of youth sports training and nutrition. Things we've seen that are, uh, that we don't like, don't agree with, maybe we think are egregious, and then just kind of guidelines or just suggestions opinions of what we think it should be right so probably won't spend a lot of time on this topic we've kind of touched on it a little bit but we haven't necessarily talked about our views on it you know um as a whole we talked about maybe just a little bit of training given some specific examples but today we wanted to just expand upon that topic uh just a little bit more for our listeners Claire, how are you doing? Uh, you know, post-birthday, this is great. How yeah. are you feeling?
1: <laughs> I feel good. Happy St. Patrick's Day. It's one-two punch, my birthday and then St. Patrick's Day. So we're feeling uh, good.
0: Yeah. Happy St. Pat's Day, everybody, if you're listening. Um, if you're listening down the road, hope you had a good one. All right. So I'm going to, I guess, just kind of start off and just roll in here with any type of, of punches here that that I might not hold back. So um my view of training for high school age, middle school age kids is that there's it's a little bit of a disconnect between popular um culture or like society elements and actual like research and professional and certified elements, right? There, there's this disconnect of of what is really what should really be valued and what should be uh, highlighted and what should be elevated uh, over the others. So, I know several high school strength coaches who do a phenomenal job, and like I know these people pretty well. I've been to some of their facilities. I've seen them conduct workouts. I mean, these are top-notch people, and some of those coaches actually have really good uh, social media presence as well. Mm. So. They're kind of hitting in that middle point, right, where they're providing high quality training to these athletes and they're showing it to the world, showcasing what they do, how they do it, you know, why they would uh, execute everything, implement these elements for their high school kids. So um, just shout out to the people that I know that are doing a great job in high school, uh, some in the state of Florida, some some outside of there. So. Um, I think there's this disconnect, but you know, another thing that I think is a part of that disconnect is the difference between a male experience in training at those ages and the female experience at those ages. This is not necessarily true. This is going to be a, a generalization and more so a testament of things that I've experienced with things that I know to be true in some situations. This is not going to be everyone's experience, but from what I know, the majority of males who get introduced to training, uh resistance training in middle school or high school, they're just like, they're thrown into the fire, right? Like they haven't done anything, but just play sports. And then all of a sudden they reach a certain age where they're introduced to this coach because he's at their high school or their like upper middle school area. And all of a sudden, Hey, we're going, you know, just boom, we're running in there and there's and a lot of times especially if they're not certified a lot of times they're just thrown into these situations where they're not being assessed on their movement they're just being given a program and it's like hey let's let's go let's do it right you know mm-hmm. like you need to be you need to be lifting more weight and things like yeah. that so it's like males from my experience or from my uh perspective get thrown into the fire just all of a sudden at some point in time right it's like hey you got to do it sometimes it's like you're a freshman after football season, now guess what? Now you're in football off season. Boom, you're going heavy. <laughs> you know, you're doing yeah. heavy weight or something, right? You're just kind of thrown yeah. into it, and uh, sometimes form is thrown out the window. Like uh, assessments, I think are rare for people who aren't professionals. But I don't get because you you have no you have no grasp of if what you're doing is elevating athletic performance. You probably have a grasp yeah. of is what you're doing elevating that particular lift. Yeah, probably because you can see the weight change every single uh, Mm -hmm. month, week, whatever, but you don't, you don't necessarily have a grasp of objectively, are you influencing these athletic measurements, these qualities, characteristics? So um, Mm -hmm. that's the male side, in my opinion, it's just, it's overdone, right? It's just there. And then on a female side, in my experience, Again, not everywhere, but is that it's underdone, right? It's just under, they're under trained where most of the time like coaches want to keep them away from training for some reason. And I'm not sure why. Um, yeah. it's, it's mostly, Hey, go run, you know, you can go run extra, like it's mostly a long distance, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, even for, I mean, I'm thinking soccer in my head right now, but it's also like for basketball players. Hey, go run a mile, you know, that'll mm-hmm. really help you, you know, stay in shape. And fitness yeah. is a huge element in sports, right? And it's great to develop that in the youth, but there, there, there's playing and running the whole time, right? So there's yeah. there are elements of strength happening during these practices and stuff, but it, it's not enough to get them relatively ready for the demands of that sport right like is it specific 100 it's specific because they're doing it right but is mm-hmm. it protective enough to help them be resilient and robust to all of the sometimes there's those forces may be higher in games than they were in practice right because maybe they didn't mm-hmm. practice hard enough maybe the practice wasn't scheduled to be hard enough and then Adrenaline kicks in the game and all of a sudden you're experiencing something that's a lot different than what you've been doing, right? Yeah. So that's my opinion is that male versus female, males being like overtrained sometimes or just like, uh, not necessarily, just thrown into the mix really quickly. It's a, a cute, yeah. high... Like stress introduction, and then the yeah. females—it's a it's grossly uh, under stress situation where they're not doing it enough, or not introduced enough, you know. And it doesn't have to be a lot of like quote-unquote what people would think as like heavy, old, heavy axial loading. Um, it just needs to be resistance training, right? Yeah. Um, or, I mean, I think, think as a to- female. Oh,
1: I was going to say. No, go ahead. I think as a female. I can definitely attest to that because, like, when I was a swimmer, we would incorporate dry land sometimes, but I really don't remember us doing weightlifting. Like, we were, our pool was at a gym, and I remember we would work with one of the trainers. He was great, he was awesome, but I don't remember us doing a ton of like weights, like dumbbells, free weights. I remember us just kind of being in one of the studios, and we would do maybe maybe we would have like light dumbbells, and it was male and females. Um, but then we would do a lot of body weight stuff. And then when I was in high school, um, I was telling you about this, I think, uh, earlier, but I think I mentioned this in another episode that I did, took a weight training class and I was the only girl and that was sophomore year of high school. And at the time I was running track, I wasn't running cross country yet, but it was very much expected. I think that a lot of the wrestlers and football players were in that class because, and they were all boys, uh, because their main goal as like younger athletes is to get stronger. Right. Whereas the girls, it was like, ah, you don't really need to do that. Or, you know, like you mentioned before, you'll get all that by playing your sport. You don't really need to focus on that. When, uh, I think from the sports I did, it would have helped a lot from an injury prevention perspective because I was swimming. So there's not a lot of weight bearing load and swimming. So I think that by having that through weightlifting through strength conditioning, that would have helped me a lot when I transitioned to running, um, and had all these issues with shin splints and whatever, because I just wasn't doing the work to load my bones and, you know, have, have that increase in bone mineral density. So I can definitely speak from experience that I think there is a difference between the male and female and uh, females shouldn't be afraid of, of lifting. It's only going to help. I think there's, i have hear, I've heard this a lot on social media too, of trainers trying to dispel this myth that if women or girls lift, they're not going to get bulky. And there's still this idea that if I lift as a female, I'm just going to automatically become like bodybuilder physique. No, that's not how it works. I wish it was that easy. <laughs>
0: Yeah: uh, yeah, I mean, you make some good points there. Uh, something you mentioned was the body weight training that I wanted to touch on as well. Like I think, I think that's great to maintain those that coordination and that range of motion that comes from body weight training. Uh, but my opinion, a lot of body weight training, I feel like should be done at an earlier age, like 12, 13 you know, even getting into like 14, if you're not going to introduce, um, external load at that point, like, I feel like that stuff should be taken care of a lot younger, right. Where you're able to teach, um, technique, you know, you know, any type of mechanics that you need to, a lot of that body weight stuff, that's going to be great for those younger kids to develop coordination. Right. And start to develop a little more uh, strength by actually adding in those ranges of motion and letting their muscles get into that eccentric, maybe isometric and concentric phase of something that's not their sport, because it could be larger ranges of motion than what their sport actually requires. So I think that that stuff is great for those younger ages. And that gives you a platform to work with as you start to introduce them to you know, external loads. So I think you made a good point there yeah. uh, with the body weight. I'm trying to find, uh, remind me, I need to find something for, uh, you, you mentioned something else in there that made me think about a, an article I saw this morning. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to just throw this out right now. Cause I may not, I may not, uh, come back to it. I may forget it if I don't do it right now. So okay. there was a view, a review done by Collings et al. This is 2023 on EMG activity of gluteal muscles during common exercises. Most specifically looking at the glute medius, okay? Um, Think about common exercises that you know, Claire. What exercise do you think has the highest glute medius activation?
1: Glute medius?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh I'll I'll kind of give you some some like some, some basis to go off so you're not just pulling out exercises at like random here. Yeah. Uh, think core exercises. Think um lower body single leg exercises, either anterior or posterior, focused, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh any you could say any like specific like glute, uh, quadruped movements as well.
1: Okay. Um,
0: Uh, for anyone that doesn't know what quadruped is, that's hands and knees there. That's typically what those exercises are called. Anyways, go ahead.
1: Um, Oh, what was I going to say? Glute bridges? Lunges? Okay. Okay. Bulgarian split squats, hip thrusts.
0: What what do you think the What do you think is the highest?
1: The highest?
0: Yeah. What do you think um, has the highest glute med activation? Lunges. Well, Claire, that was a great guess. You know, um, the highest percentage glute med activation is side plank body weight.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. Isn't that crazy?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I, I I'll clearly just didn't
1: the- guess that. <laughs>
0: Right. I'll list descending order from the top. Obviously, I just listed the top as being side plank body weight, having the highest glute medius activation. Um, But I'll list probably like a a few underneath it. Single leg squat at 12 12 RM is below that. Mm -hmm. Single leg RDL, 12 RM is below that. Split squat, 12 RM, below that. The next thing that's not a 12 RM is a single leg squat at body weight. And that mm-hmm. is like the eighth exercise down. So it's, I just think that, that that needs to be thrown out there just because we yeah. were talking about body, body weight. I, I literally just saw this uh, this graphic from this study this morning. So obviously dive into that article a little bit deeper. Um, I don't think I have the title for you. I'm sorry. Let me see if I can just click it and get the title it's by Collings et al it's gluteal muscle forces during hip focused injury prevention and rehabilitation exercises. Okay. It can be found in the medicine and science in sports and exercise, uh, journal from ACSM that's American college of sports medicine. So, um, that may be an article to look into as well. So it's got some body weight. It's got some actual like resistance training stuff in there as well. So, yeah.
1: um,
0: yeah, not to get off track. Sorry, sorry for everyone listening here, but let's kind of jump back into this. Um, another thing that I think is kind of uh, egregiously done in youth athletes is the CrossFit craze in youth athletes. I think it's, I think it's way off base, to be honest. Now, don't get me wrong; I've touched on this before. CrossFit, I don't think, is holistically bad. Right, I think it's a great tool for the general population to get active, to get off your couch, be engaged with a community of people doing something similar. Right, going through an experience with other people around you doing the same thing—that's great for relationship building. I think it's great to uh, just have that experience for yourself. You know, build some inner confidence for anyone who might be general population. That being said, I do not like the prescription uh, or the most common prescription of Olympic weightlifting derivatives or the actual movements themselves in CrossFit, because I think Mm -hmm. that they're way over prescribed, not any research that I've ever seen from back in the day, like whether that's Eastern block or anything else that would ever say you need to do that many reps for, Mm -hmm. uh, any Olympic weightlifting derivative, like, I don't know that I've ever seen people really do over six reps of stuff, but that's a prescription that's prescribed at some type of a uh, percentage, but that being said, right. So I don't agree with the Olympic weightlifting side of CrossFit. Um, but for the youth sports, a lot of these kids, I think get introduced to it from that um, from like the parents or like that supervisor role or that person who's administering that coach, who's writing the uh, workout on the whiteboard that day is like, man, I did this in CrossFit today. Like, it would be great for you to do too. Right. And even if they change some things, like if they change like the Olympic uh, movement to just deadlift or something, well, that's, what is that? I don't know. That's probably like 15, 21, deadlifts in a row and then yeah what's what's the what's it like 20 21, 21 59
1: 15, nine.
0: yeah yeah i mean so it's probably something like that maybe sometimes maybe it's every minute on the minute for whatever and you're you're like getting almost no rest at some point later down the line because you're getting mm-hmm. more fatigued and moving slower and and uh i, I think it should be said there, there's a box jump element that happens there Here's my thought on box jumps. I love box jumps, right? It's a reduction of the the landing forces, right? But you still get the triple extension off the ground. I love box jumps. I don't love it when people land on box jumps, crouch down in the lowest squat they've ever done in their life, right? Completely hip flexed. I don't like that landing. It doesn't tell me that you've done what you think you've done. The whole goal of that triple extension and jumping is to move your center of gravity as high as you can, right? Mm -hmm. If you jump from a standing position to where you land is where you measure your center of gravity movement. If you were to stand load and jump and you're completely flexed as you land on the box, you haven't moved as high as someone who is halfway flexed, you know, if they land on the box. So someone's in athletic position when they land on the box, you know, and it was the highest they could go, and you're in a fully flexed position, hip flexed, your your hip hasn't moved. If for the same height, you haven't moved as high as the other person, right? So Mm -hmm. I think the landing as tall as you can on the highest box that you can land tall on That's the emphasis we need to go to, especially in that scenario, because we're not worried about landing forces or landing in athletic position. We've taken that out. Right. So we need to try to move the hip higher. Right. So that that hip displacement, that's what we really want there. So that's uh, I got sidetracked again to to box steps there, but let me get back to the cross Cross for kids. Yeah. So. I don't think that those are the skills that we need to be working on so that we're doing so many things, so many main movements Mm -hmm. in a fatigued state as we get later and later down the line, right? Right. That's not the program that they need to be working on, right? If they need to get fatigued in anything, it needs to be their sport or Mm -hmm. some type of really focused um, oxidative conditioning session, Mm -hmm. right? Or or maybe it needs to be like in these long rest intervals, they should feel a little fatigued during a glycolytic conditioning phase um, mm-hmm. a mentor of mine really kind of challenged the the wording of that and I'm trying to use it so instead of saying anaerobic and aerobic I'm trying to use you know glycolytic and uh, oxidative mm-hmm. as, as my conditioning terms now uh, shout out Babalejo But but um, so that's one thing I don't think the CrossFit is, is appropriate for kids right like yeah. I don't right if they're general population or whatever like I don't know that's not what we're talking about we're talking about youth sports, right? Kids are athletes. Um, Another thing that this is going back to the male side of it, but could be a female side. Again, these are just my perspectives or just my experiences here. So uh, I want to cover everything, but I'm really speaking from one perspective. So please understand that. Um, But whenever kids are introduced to Olympic weightlifting uh, lifts, right? They're like actual movements, like clean, right? Well, that'd be from the floor. Let's say it's a derivative, like it's power clean or something, right? I don't like it that it starts at 15, 16. You know, like, like I said, just all of a sudden you've never done a clean in your life, right? And then all of a sudden you hit off season for this particular sport and your coach says, Hey, we're doing power cleans today. You've never done one before, you know. Like mm-hmm. how you, you may have never even deadlifted before, you know. So, like, yeah. how are, how are you expected to do that, right, with great yeah. form? And that's why shouldn't
1: think,
0: be. No, no, you shouldn't be right. And that's why I think like uh, the European models, probably more Eastern European models, are great. At those really young ages where they're using PVC pipe and they're teaching kids to be coordinated through Olympic weightlifting, like movements, right? They're, they're helping them develop uh, coordination through teaching the snatch or teaching the clean or, or just teaching a high pull or something, right? So teaching, um, force production, um, like hip extension at a good speed, triple extension overall, right? And the coordination that comes with synchronistically moving your body at the same time you know right. different elements of your, of your body doing certain things all together in one movement
1: right so, but they're not immediately putting a load
0: no 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 movement. they're get, no they're getting basics down right at first right yeah. they're learning ranges of motion for that they're learning like i said the the neuromuscular coordination elements that that come with that and i think that that's really where we could benefit i think as americans not not necessarily just in sports but overall right uh, I think just as kids develop, like let them kind of learn something in a way that is safe for them and it's going to benefit them in many other ways, right? If they can learn yeah. to coordinate their body through certain movements, those aspects translate w- through collegiate athletes, through Olympic weightlifting movements mm-hmm. into like, like I know track and field, like those types of elements, like learning how to do Those heavier movements for those collegiate athletes or those heavier triple extension, those have coordination benefits for collegiate athletes. So why wouldn't we use those lighter foundational movements for these younger kids? And I'm talking about like, you know, 10 years old and stuff like let them learn that stuff early and then you can get into, like I said, then you can get into your body weight stuff or or really light external loads, and then they're they're kind of built and ramped up to that. Instead of just throwing you in mm-hmm. and say, hey, you've never done a power plane in your life, jump on the bar, let's go, you know, grip it and yeah. rip it, as they say, you know. No, yeah, so scary.
1: Yikes. I know,
0: I know. But all of this kind of to come back to the importance of having really good coaches there at the high school level, right? Mm-hmm. More so if you can afford it. You need to have a certified professional running all of these strength conditioning aspects for your team, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But if not anything in that, you know, you just have, need to have a really good coach who's educated, who who's, is getting the right resources out there. But, yeah. but man, if, if high schools can somehow get certified professionals and their information into uh, middle school and high school age, that's the way to go, right? Mm -hmm. and 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 be great probably the best situation for you is to get that person in person you know Mm -hmm. on campus with your kids but if not you need to find a way to get it you know maybe through the connect app
1: shameless plug
0: yeah maybe through the connect app you know so yeah it's better you're you're an athletic director high school coach you need help with some of that stuff reach out to us okay but let me get back to this here. (laughs) So I don't want to just plug or just talk about resistance training and things that happen in the weight room. I want to talk about the importance of movement skills as well. Like some of the things that happen on the field that might be beneficial to, uh, or on the court might be beneficial to actual sport itself, right? So Coordination was the thing that we talked about a lot, like skipping. I know sometimes kids have a lot of trouble skipping, right? Whether that's mm-hmm. just a casual skip, whether that's uh, something more um, focused, like an A skip, right? Uh, sometimes like just a lateral push, you know, or a crossover step and like just kind of coordinating their body. I think that those things are important to develop at a young age as well. And those things can be done simplistically, like on their own. You could throw in elements in games, like when I used to work in the private sector with really young kids. One one good thing that my boss taught me there was like, you know, find a game that just incorporates all these elements. Play the game for a little bit, and then when you're giving them a break, bring them in and just kind of t- just tell them one thing. It's like, hey, this is. You remember this right here. Well, this was really important because of this reason right here, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're catching their breath, they're drinking their water, right? And then boom, right back. And then it's like, all right, let's go back to playing, you know? And then at the end of it, maybe you tell them one more thing that was really important there. Yeah. So, and what they did well in those elements. So make it fun for these kids, you know, as they're younger, play some games. I really kind of touch on those elements just to kind of uh, give them that beginning knowledge of, hey, this was this was really fun and I enjoyed this and it was really important for this reason, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so the coordination aspect there, but, uh, acceleration and deceleration really important for sports, especially reactive sports like basketball, soccer, football. Um, you know, maybe if you're an infielder, um, it's important as well in baseball, softball. So those sports where you have to react to something, um, it's it's good to have the foundations. You can also build strength through learning how to to slow down, get your center of gravity low, be in a position to make multiple actions off of that, right? To go left, to go right, to go forward, to go vertical, to turn around, to go backwards, any of that stuff, to, to have that base the change of direction perspective is great. Um, and then acceleration is important for any sport, right? It's, you need to be yeah. able to move, move your body um, as fast as you can and kind of learning how to coordinate those movements at a young age is great. And then you really start to compile everything on top of that from whether the be partner-resisted, band-resisted, uh, sled-pushing Start incorporating those elements kind of in the same way that we just talked about body weight exercises into external load exercises and making that progression pretty seamless for these athletes by getting them involved at a young age. Um, And I think the last thing I want to talk about movement skills is really jumping and landing technique. So timing arms. And, and your lower body timing your upper body with your lower body is a big thing that I know some kids, they kind of struggle with. And just some people just kind of put their arms here and then they jump up, right? Not a lot happening there as far as synchronizing your entire body moving. Um, and your upper body accounts for quite a bit of your uh, jumping ability
1: mm-hmm.
0: so when used, when used. Um, so it, it's important to teach them how to coordinate that as well. And then the landing mechanics, obviously important for some type of uh, injury prevention uh, methods that you might have, whether that be single leg landing, double leg landing. Um, whether that be landing forward, landing out outside, you know, in, any type of directional landing that you have, it's important to develop those qualities in athletes at a young age, and then continue to hone in on those skills as they get older, maybe just in a more challenging fashion as their technique and as their body strength kind of, uh, prepares them for that. Um, Claire, I know I've been talking for a little bit here. I think I want to finish up with just a couple of key points on a couple of research articles. That I have, so let me pull up this first one here um, talking about I talked about females being under uh, exposed to resistance training
1: mm-hmm. kind
0: of in their in their developmental years uh, this is a high school age research article from Sweden. Okay, Uh, title of it is "Weaker Lower Extremity Muscle Strength Predicts Traumatic Knee Injury in Youth Female, but Not Male Athletes." So basically, if you're strong in your lower body, um, you can uh, keep yourself away from an injury, or you have less of a risk of having a traumatic knee injury than you do if Mm -hmm. you're weak in your lower body. So, uh, but only only evident in females, not in males, in this study. So basically the the acl prevention or the uh, traumatic knee injury and acl injury was 9.5 times higher if you were weak in your lower body okay hmm. so basically just not being strong enough in your legs and your lower body glutes hamstrings quads uh calf muscles all of that stuff that ties into your lower extremities being weak in that area will expose you to higher risk because you're not able to handle forces that you're trying to use all of a sudden in the game right? So you need to be stronger so you can have those ranges of motion. You can have that muscular coordination. You can have that muscular strength to endure those forces and those directions that you might be able to. So that also comes, I think, needs to tie in with a little bit of on-field training as well that I mentioned mm-hmm. at the very end with movement. So that was one study. Um, and then the last one that I mentioned or that I'll talk about is basically talking about strength can, uh, strength training in adolescence. Quickly, the title is Strength Training for Children and Adolescents, Benefits and Risks. And at the very end in their discussion, uh, they just said that on the the very positive side, resistance training has proved to increase basic motor skills like muscular strength, coordination and flexibility, but also body composition in terms of fat-free mass to fat mass ratio and increased bone health. So all of Mm -hmm. those things are important for kids' general health as they're growing but also for their athletic, uh, longevity as they're going. So, um, just really important. And I think that's a great segue because of the last two points that we can go to you and your perspective Mm -hmm. on, uh, youth sports.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of, so a lot of like the nutrition recommendations and strength conditioning too, we mentioned in our second episode where we talked about, should youth athletes be doing the same as you know, collegiate and professional athletes. Um, I think it's unfortunate, the, the lack of access, maybe not necessarily always access, but just the lack of education these younger athletes have when it comes to nutrition. Um, even from like, from like an in-school perspective, but also just from like learning from, um, maybe coaches or uh, just other people that, um, are part of the sports organization. So you know, the world of sports nutrition is still growing. It's still pretty young in terms of where it is compared to like the world of strength and conditioning. Um, it's growing from a collegiate perspective. There's a ton of sports nutrition programs, especially in division one colleges. But when you look at high school, there's really not many, if at all. I think in terms of sports dietitians in high schools, there's a handful And the majority of them are in private schools. Um, So just because of funding and that, you know, that's fine. That, that makes sense. A lot of people Mm -hmm. may not have access to that, the school system, but um, when you look at how important it is from just a health perspective, which I know we've talked about before too, it would make so much sense if we could invest in having some sort of nutrition professional in the high school setting. Uh, especially for those athletes, so that maybe we don't need to invest as much in the collegiate setting. Maybe we don't need five or six dietitians at each school because we have one or two dietitians at these high schools. So they don't need as much support in college or they don't need as much of the manpower because we're meeting with athletes, you know, consult after consult after consult, just going over the basics.
0: Well, I, you mentioned at high schools and you talked about funding. Well, I think they should have uh, a registered dietitian on staff. Mm-hmm. How about the count? How about the county level for yeah. public schools? Right. That's not having to have somebody at each site. Right. That's having someone who's got oversight for everything who can provide information down to these coaches. That's important, mm-hmm. right? That can provide information up towards any administration, and that way maybe funding can be you know redistributed out to these yeah. certain areas. And this person may be able to affect, um, the quality of, you know, school meals and stuff like that. Right. So I think it would be great if you had, uh, I, I don't know if they have registered dietitians on, uh, County school district, they do. you know, staffs, Oh, that's great. You need yeah. them, Right.
1: But the majority of those are, are not necessarily geared towards athletics from, from mm-hmm. my experience. A lot of them are more in the. School system for like just general health and wellness, so they do have um, access to or influence on like school meals and that sort of thing, which I think is right. great. So maybe they're doing more of like um, seminars or talks on like wellness. Um, but mm-hmm. I think the athletics piece falls through the cracks because it is a different population and there are different recommendations and needs for those athletes for the for that set of people. Um, so I think that's, that would be great too if we could get maybe both of those or if we could find somebody that can do both or has the capacity to do both in some way, even if it's not necessarily individual meetings, if it's just, you know, going to preseason, um, like parent orientation and talking to all the parents and athletes one time a year, like that would be better than nothing because you're trying to hit as many people as you can. Maybe you have like, I don't know, 30 schools in your County and you can't obviously meet all of those athletes every single year um, or have like one-on-one consultations with those people. But, you know, I think that would be a a good place to start and see how much of an impact it could make because um, from my understanding and from the research I've seen, especially in most of it's been in collegiate athletics, but in these athletes that are meeting with a dietitian or just get nutrition sports nutrition education, their performance and their health and their just practices and habits around eating are significantly impacted for, for the better. Right. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah. So I think that that's my take on it. Um, I just think there's, there's not enough support early on for these athletes to, to get access to accurate uh, applicable sports nutrition information.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of, um, professional guidance that's, that's lacking, you know, maybe not in -hmm. in every school, right. Especially not for private school, like you mentioned, that's got funding, that's got, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, a strength coach on staff a nutritionist on staff. Um, so those those schools are not lacking, right? Those kids are, are getting exposed to that, right? But for everyone else, you know, you, you need resources to be out there and you need reputable resources to be out there, not just, you know, social media, um, agility ladder in the sand person. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. you need you need somebody that's great, you know, need not somebody who's just clickbait information out there for you or something that looks fancy or looks great. You know, you need something that's actually has some uh, weight to it that actually means something is valuable for you. So mm-hmm. um, I'm glad that you know, we work in a setting where we can provide that uh, yeah. for people um, at that, you know, affordability costs and at those levels where um, it's not provided automatically for you. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I love that we can, I love that we can do that from afar, right? Like we're affecting yeah. people, you know, in Washington, we're affecting people in, you know, Uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, you know. So I I love that we're able to work with these people, whatever sport they're in, um, and just help youth athletes be a little bit better, move a little bit better, you know, eat a little bit better, you know, Mm -hmm. just be informed. So um, that's great. That's good information. You know what? I think that's a great point, you know, uh, for us to just close the book on this one right here so that uh, people aren't over fatigued by us talking forever (laughs) on these podcasts.
1: Yeah. We'll keep it, keep it short and sweet this week of, you know, just like you said, they need to be informed and you can't do that if you don't have the resources and you can't do that if you don't have the right resources. So we, that's one of our goals and that's, I, I agree, it's really comforting to know that we work for a company that's trying to change that. So, um, you know, if you work with youth athletes or in the high school setting, you know, maybe this is your sign to try and provide that for your athletes so that they can, again, just be better, be better on the field, be better on the court, wherever they are. um, But also to be able to just be healthier and, and have that information moving forward, whether they play sports in college or not, because ideally they will hopefully be active for the rest of their life. They can take this information and, you know, just be a healthier person.
0: Absolutely. And not just for our listeners in the States, I know we've got listeners international. There's still a way that we can help you because if COVID taught us anything is we can do everything from across the globe via yeah. Zoom or an app. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, so for everyone out there, we'll, we'll put a link um, to our website, to our web form that Claire and I share where we do consultations, 15 minutes for free, uh, just, just kind of meet you, understand what your goals are, and then kind of talk about how we can help you um, as we work towards that. So anyways, I put the link in uh, the description here. So see you in the next one.
1: Thanks guys.